When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's Light the Tower, your daily look around the world of sports. With Hall of Fame broadcaster and voice of the Texas Longhorns, Craig Way. And Horns 24-7 insider, Jeff Howe. On your live, local, and independent home for sports talk in Austin, the Horn. It's a leave the door open to the studio because once again, it's hot as blazes in here. <laughs> Good morning, everybody. <laughs> Welcome to Light the Tower on the Horn, 1049, 1019 AM 1260. We're live, local, and digital on the Horn app and hornfm.com. In truth, it's not as hot as it was yesterday when, you know, it was just like fry eggs in here. And meanwhile, you know, Bucky and Aaron in here wearing hoodies yesterday. Bucky was wearing a jacket. I walk in, I was like, it's like an oven again. And I said, but you got your jacket on, so that's all right. It's like Aaron said, sometimes you don't even realize, you know, what, what's going. But it's cooling down, and we're warming up. We're getting ready for a Tuesday edition of the program. Glad to have you with us. I'm Craig Way. Uh, Jeff Howe will be along shortly. Our producer, behind the glass, Cameron Parker, who was busy last night with some bi-district boys basketball. Did you have a... Did you have a uh, McCallum Eastview redo, just like you did, did with the yeah. girls. How about that? Where was where was the game played? This was like? at Cedar Ridge High School. Okay, all right. And uh, how'd that go? Eastview dominated from the start. Did they really? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we'll have some more details on that coming up in our Flex Thirty segment. A little high school basketball for you uh, next hour. We'll do that. Of course, uh, coming up uh, at the bottom of the hour, we'll have our. Uh, Longhorn Notebook, first of our two Longhorn Notebooks. Plenty to preview tonight, this afternoon, for this afternoon and tonight. So I have that, and we have another Longhorn Notebook next hour as well. We have Inconceivable, the flight to and from nowhere highlights the Inconceivable file this afternoon. We'll give you the details on that. So many things to get ready for, and that includes the stretch drive of the Big 12 Conference basketball season. Uh, Longhorns are twenty-one and six. They're ten and four. Uh, they're even in the loss column, but a half game out of first because of Kansas win over TCU last night. Very entertaining ball game. I know you didn't get to see it, uh, Cam, because you were busy with the high school game. But um, Kansas proving its metal. How difficult they've been on the road, just like the Longhorns uh, on the on the road. If you can win some road games, and you got to protect your home court, and if you can do that then uh, you've got a chance to compete for a conference title. Uh, Iowa State and Baylor still have a shot, uh, but uh, Iowa State would certainly uh, need to have a win over Texas. Uh, they're 8-6 and six in the league right now, so they're two games back of the Longhorns. But if they were to beat Texas tonight, remember they would have 
the head-to-head tiebreaker on the Longhorns because they would have swept the series. They won up in Ames. Texas trying to avoid that, get the split with the Cyclones, stay even with Kansas with three games remaining in the Big 12 schedule. Kansas, I think it's safe to say, has a much more favorable closing schedule than the Longhorns since they survived their trip to Fort Worth, which the Longhorns have to encounter a week from tomorrow. They have to go up there to play TCU. But in between time, Texas has to go to Waco to play Baylor this Saturday. Kansas has back-to-back home games with West Virginia and Texas Tech before coming to Austin. So, in essence, what, what the Longhorns need to do is you know, find a way to win at least one of those road games, win the home game tonight, and then the game against Kansas would uh, – you know, come down to uh, possibly deciding at the very least a share of the Big 12 title, if not winning. I think we've been saying, and Jeff and I talked about this on back, originally he thought 12-6 and six might be enough to win this league. And it made sense because it was so grueling and grinded out and all that sort of thing. But then you started to see some separation. And I felt that 13-5 and five, uh, might have to get it done. And 13-5 and five might get it done, but it might not. It might take 14-4. and four. To win the league, I think it's it'll take at least thirteen and five in conference play. And Texas is ten and four with four games to go, so they have to win three of their last four. So that's why I meant if they split the two road games, win the night, and then beat Kansas, that's enough at least to share the conference title. At least, uh, maybe not win it outright. Might be a shared title with Kansas, and then you get down to tiebreakers and that sort of stuff. Uh, and and then it would also come down to the split, how you did with the split. Because remember, Kansas split both of its games with Baylor, and they split the two games with TCU. Right now, the Longhorns have a leg up on both of those, uh, TCU and Baylor. They've won the first meeting. Of course, both of those games were in Austin. So they've got to try to find a way to win a game uh, either in Waco and or Fort Worth. Uh, So... You know, that's and, and then of course if they win the three in a row going into the Kansas game and Kansas wins as folks would expect their next two home games, then it's one game winner take all at that point. So, you know, that's that's what it comes down to. But I, I think it's also fair to point out that uh that there's you know, other things in play where we've all got an eye ahead on what could happen with the NCAA men's basketball tournament and seeding. We're going to hear from Rodney Terry about that. He had a media availability uh, yesterday. And, and we'll hear from him talking not only about the, uh, the the matchup with Iowa State tonight and what they have to do to try to flip the script from the game they lost back on January 17th. They lost that game by 11, 78-67. And it was largely theorized that Texas just got – out-physicaled, out-muscled in that game. And there were moments of that, for sure. And I know a lot of folks are remembering the Caleb Grill undercut uh, when uh, when Dylan Mitchell took that hard spill to the floor and there was no foul call. The officials did. I, you know, a lot of people didn't see it in real time, but you sure as heck saw it afterwards on replays. Um, so the, the physical nature will have something to do with it, for sure. It always does in this league. But there are other things that that uh, that go into play on it as well. So, you know that's that's going to be critical uh, for, uh, for for the Longhorn men uh, to to uh, get the split. Well, I would say Texas is the only team in the Big Twelve Conference not to have lost consecutive games this year. So they've done that. Therefore, losses have been spread out. They've not lost consecutive games. 
So they've uh, that's that's helped keep them at or near the top virtually the entire season. It's also helped keep them uh, in the uh, in the top ten most of the season. They've had a little dip here and there where they dropped out, but they have been in uh, uh, ranked nationally ranked virtually. Uh, the entire season in the top 10, and even the times when they weren't, they were just out of the top 10 and then back in the top 10. So the consistency factor, that's a that's a big, big thing uh, for them, and they're going to need all of that against Iowa State tonight. Longhorn baseball is this afternoon at 5 o'clock. You can hear that, uh, and obviously the Longhorn men's basketball game you can hear here on the horn on 104.9 FM. 7.30 airtime, 8 o'clock tip-off. It's also available on Coke FM, 98.5 and 99.3 FM, beginning at 7.30. Um, and then uh, Longhorn Baseball this afternoon on AM 1260 and 101.9 FM. And that's a 5 o'clock first pitch. And it will uh, be not only a 5 o'clock first pitch, will be uh, on the air at 4.45. Tom Barfield will join me for the call of that one because I'll be on that uh, for – the better part, you might say, uh, of the first half of the game before I have to exit to head over uh, to UF, uh, to uh, to Moody Center, and then Tom will finish the call, and then we'll hear the uh, post game show, and uh, Keith Moreland will slide over after his duties are completed with Longhorn Network to to join on the post game show. So that'll happen. Uh, the, the Longhorns, of course, looking for their first win. They come off the zero and three showing in Arlington at. Uh, at the uh, College Baseball Showdown. So it's the home opener. Uh, Texas A&M Corpus Christi took two out of three from UT Arlington uh, over the weekend. And like so many occasions, when the Longhorns play a mid-major in a midweek game, the Longhorns are going to see their Friday night starter. And they're going to see their Friday night starter. Zach Garcia, preseason All-Southland Conference, uh, will start for the Islanders. LeBaron Johnson... We'll actually get the start for Texas. Now, again, this is going to be a bullpen game, uh, but LBJ will get the start. He, of course, took the loss in the Friday night game against uh, Arkansas in that 3-2 to two defeat. Uh, joined now by my co-host, the pride of Northwest Williamson County, proud graduate of Florence High School. Uh, they knew him as Highway 79. Honorable mention, all-district offensive lineman, when he wore the purple and white of those Florence Buffaloes. That was a long time ago. In a galaxy not so far away, just right up there in northwest Williamson County. But you know him best for his outstanding work at Horns 24-7. That's Jeff Howe. How's your day going so far? Uh, I'm good to know that I'm guaranteed to have a big sweat map of South America How about that? on my back by the time we're done. It's a little, a little cooler this morning. Yeah, d- yesterday was uh, it was beastly. It was unbearable yesterday. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, now we're good. Got a got a full day. I'm gonna like you. I'm gonna get as much of the baseball game as I can safely fit in. Also, you are gonna go over then. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Okay. Good. Got to record the Longhorn Blitz podcast yep. today. I've got a I got a meeting at three o'clock. So it's uh, it's a full Tuesday. Thankfully, it's a Zoom meeting. So okay. Well, that's good. I'm glad that stuck around post COVID. So that way, you know, if you have a meeting, not everybody has to figure out. Hey, we need to get here. And nope. Just as long as you've got an internet connection, you can make the meeting. Oh, that's true. Absolutely. That's and and that's why it was a little bit different yesterday and welcomed, I might add, that Rodney Terry did an in person media availability when throughout the course of the season, obviously mm-hmm. they've been uh they've they've been Zoom other than of course post game press conferences following games. Right. Um so we're gonna have some comments from that uh uh coming up. I did notice that 
because uh, I watched all of that media availability uh, last night. I did notice nobody asked the question that you were planning to ask had you been there. Mm-hmm. So hopefully it's a non-story and becomes a non-issue. Oh, I think the corral is going to make it an issue. Now, you're right about that. Yeah. Like I mentioned last week, uh, one of the, the ambassadors for the corral, uh, Mumin Ahmed, who was uh, with us on Longhorn Weekly, was talking about how they like to get on the opposing team, and one of his corral mates shouted out uh, Caleb Grill, and he goes, oh, yeah, we're going we're gonna to talk to Caleb Grill. I mean, listen, there's nothing – no, I'm, I'm going to say this. There is nothing, virtually nothing, that the – Corral people could say to Caleb Grill that would have approached what the Iowa State student said to Tyrese Hunter. Yeah, man, that's rough. I, I and I've heard that kind of stuff over the years, but not in that large a number in that large of unison. Yeah, and um, and uh, somebody asked somebody asked Rodney Terry yesterday about Tyrese and. You know, do you have to say anything to him so that he doesn't get too amped up for the game? He said, no, no, I thought he handled it really well. And, and uh, the game up in Ames, and he said, I think his words were with all that mess that was being said or something like that, uh, you know, with all, yeah. that mess, with all the mess that was yeah. that was going on up there with what was being said. And, you know, I, for Tyrese, and, and you've had a chance to be around Tyrese a little bit, Craig. We, we've, we've had a chance to be mm-hmm. around him. Like, he's a personable kid. Yeah. You know, well-spoken, just well-mannered, just good dude. Been through a lot in his life. I don't, yep. know, I don't know people realize that. I mean, lost yeah. both parents, you know, in his in his early teen years. So he's he's been through some stuff. Uh, I was just personally just happy for him that he made one of those two free throws yeah. at the end of the game on yep. Saturday. Because, he, look, he's had a tough year. There's no no question about mm-hmm. that. And I'm like, man, if he would if he'd have missed both those free throws and OU comes down and wins the game, like yeah, that's, that's just, yeah, that would have been a, a gut punch for a lot of people, especially mm-hmm. him, him included. But Thankfully, he made one of the two, and it ended up in the in the win column for the yeah. Bevos. Yeah, so. yeah. So that that's good. So, and, and you know what though, I know RT keeps getting asked about Tyrese yeah, post game, but because he's he they, I feel like their ceiling is going to be as as much as he gives them. He drastically increases the ceiling on how good this team can be if mm-hmm. he's playing at a level that we all know he can play. If he can get there consistently, and he's got you know these four games in the Big Twelve tournament to get there before you get to the NCAA tournament, uh, it would be really nice to see him get going. <coughs> Excuse me, <coughs> I agree with every bit of that. Don't disagree with any of that. That said, I don't agree with some folks who feel like. He's got to give them "quote unquote" X number of points per game, or they're not going to not going to go far. And they have proven, yeah, I don't that think they can a... win without him being a big point producer. To me, it's more about can he can he make good decisions with the ball in his hand? Yes, and Agreed. can he defend at the level with which this staff knows he can defend? It? And mm-hmm. honestly, go back to last year and the points this year, the level we've seen him defend. At. Yep. Yep. If he those can, are two big things for me. Yeah, if he can do those things, it will raise that ceiling you're talking yeah. about. No matter what he scores, whether he scores zero points or twenty, I mean, you it don't, won't matter. Look, this team, the the way this team is structured, you, you've got two guys that in crunch time need the ball in their hands. Marcus Carr and Jabari Rice. Those two guys need the ball in their hands at crunch time. Uh, so, so Tyrese doesn't have to be that guy that, like you said, Craig, that gives you fifteen, sixteen points. Yeah. You know, if he if he scores. 
if he scores six points, but he's got a turnover-free game on offense and you know defends somebody's number one really well, like he did against Marquise Noel in Manhattan, mm-hmm. then it will have been a productive game for him. Because there's been games this year where you look at the plus-minus and you're like, man, he shot you know two for eight yep. and had you know six points, but he's you know they're like plus they're plus eight when he's on the floor, yeah, because he defended so well and made good decisions, didn't have any turnovers. Yeah, yeah. Um... Uh, something else uh, to uh, point. Somebody said, "Turn on the AC." It's it's just weird the way this building is considered. The the uh, studios studios are configured differently than regular like office buildings because of noise things and and what you have to have in terms of the sound, and, and that's why it's that's why it's different on that. But it's cooling off. It is. Uh, doing that. Uh, somebody else with uh, Lazy uh, Le Bon Ton Roulet, uh, Happy Mardi Gras, uh, and uh, like the tower and all that kind of stuff. Do you ever do much Mardi Grasing in any any way, shape, or form? Uh, back in my younger days, in my partying days, yes. Did you really? Mm-hmm. See, I, I never, I mean, I always knew about it, knew about it as a kid growing up in North Carolina, you'd hear about it, but I didn't. I never uh, really rolled into that even much in college, and even as it as it went on, we got a guest uh, in the studio. Yeah, or, yeah. Or, Oreo made his way in. Here. Oreo cruised in there. Super Dave uh, Howard, our uh, production <laughs> man, par uh, non parile has uh, has his outstanding little dog. Um, uh, you know, it's uh, he's cool. He can leave him. <laughs> Dave just came and scooped him up. <laughs> it's cool, uh, but um, I I it just. It, it, I was always too busy or this or that and wasn't around New Orleans and things like that to where Mardi Gras would mean an awful lot. I mean, I heard the stories of debauchery from uh, Ty Henderson this morning, uh, uh, you know, Bucky and Aaron's uh, producer. Uh, I did do a spring break in Fort Lauderdale. There you go. I, I did check that box. I did uh, once, and that was that was uh, a little wacky back in the day, but uh but I didn't. I didn't do much. Now I will tell. I will confess to once I discovered King cake, King's Cake later. Not a fan of King's Cake. It's just oh. too dense for me. Yeah, dense desserts are good. No, 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 no. I have some. I have some. Got some air pot air in there. All right, toward that end, where do you stand with pudding? I'll do. I'll do banana pudding with the, okay. the, the, the vanilla, vanilla wafers, wafers in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that, beyond that, not that, so much uh, because. Uh, Linda knew I, I had a long, grinded-out day yesterday. And and she made a really nice dinner for me last night. And for dessert, butterscotch pudding. That was awesome. <laughs> it was really good. I'm sure because your your lovely <laughs> wife made it, it was awesome. But that it was. does not sound appetizing to me. You know what? The reason why she, she got the idea about it, because I'd mentioned to her when I went on the road with the men to West Virginia uh, last month, and the way the team routine works, charter plane lands. They, uh, you know, early to mid afternoon, they go to the hotel for what is called a quote unquote snack. Usually, it's almost like a full out meal for these guys because they burn it up so quickly. Mm-hmm. And then after about an hour or two after, then they go to the gym for a practice, have the practice, then they go to dinner. Maybe a nice piece of fish for dinner. Uh, yeah, but they have a nice piece of fish like. At the quote unquote snack, sometimes <laughs> oh, nice. uh, burgers or uh, chops or this. So we got we la- we uh, land in West Virginia and then bust the 
the 45 minutes from Clarksburg. Everybody knows that story of where they have to land the charter planes and then go up to Morgantown and get in there. And there's the quote unquote snack and there's this big spread laid out. And, and I'm looking, I'm thinking, yeah, I'll probably just nibble a little here, nibble a little there. And then somebody says, Hey, they got butterscotch pudding. And I went, what? And I went down there and there was this big bowl of butterscotch pudding. I I haven't had butterscotch pudding since I was probably a teenager. So I got some of that. It was really good. So I mentioned that story to Linda, and what did she do? She goes, here it is a month later, whatever. She made butterscotch pudding for dessert. It's awesome. So it was great. Good stuff. It was, it was good. Uh, Cam, did you have any uh, brushes with Mardi Gras? I have not. Okay. I haven't done the New Orleans Mardi Gras thing. So I've done this, you know, Mardi Gras down here on 36. So did you really? Yeah, back in my college days. What did that encompass? Uh, just kind of a light, lighter version of what you'd see in New Orleans. The, the, the closest, first off, you know, one, there's a certain age you get to where you can go to Bourbon Street and then realize, okay, I've passed the window where this is fun. Yeah. You know, like you just smell the, the urine and the vomit and everything. Yeah. And, you know, it is what it is. The yeah. closest I've come to the, New Orleans Mardi Gras. Because you don't need Mardi Gras to see the urine and the vomit uh, there in the French very Quarter. Very true, very true. You can get that any time of year, de- any time of day. Yeah, you definitely don't need Mardi Gras for debauchery in New Orleans either. <laughs> any time of day, any day of the any day of the year, uh, any year. The closest I've come to uh, uh, the New Orleans Mardi Gras experience was uh, when we were down there for the Sugar Bowl a couple mm-hmm. of years ago right. at, the, at the media party. Right. I'm not making this up. The Sugar Bowl reps were just handing us beads and to throw off the balcony because apparently this is what you do in New Orleans. Right, right, right. So that whole deal that commenced. Scene. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I even remember the 2003 Final Four. Yeah. There was some of that role. Even the year before, a lot of folks don't, uh, or two years before that, a lot of folks don't remember this <laughs> with good reason. In 2001, Texas was a six seed in the NCAA tournament. They were sent to New Orleans. Ah, the Maurice Evans year. Yeah. They were sent to New Orleans where they were facing an 11 seed Temple. Temple. It could not have possibly been a worse matchup for that <laughs> Longhorn team. It just, and, and uh, John Chaney and that zone and what they would, the matchup and everything they did, it was just awful for Texas. Not only that, in the Louisiana Superdome, there was a grand total of about 2,000 people. They played that in the Superdome? Yeah. Man, I yeah. forgot about that. It was, before, it was before Smoothie King Center was built, back then New Orleans Arena, okay. which Texas would later lose a first-round game to in um, in 2010, I believe, to Wake Forest. Oh, man, that year. Yeah, the overtime one. Yeah, so very rarely it's it's a it's an accomplishment to go from number one in the country to on the bubble in the same year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, they, I, I remember that there was some, uh, and, and the Longhorns lost handily uh, that one. That was the the last uh, NCAA tournament game that Bill Shoning called as voice of the Texas Longhorns because he was on to the Spurs mm-hmm. the next year, and. Uh, that was the that was the night when the, the game. It was first game of the day too. Eleven in the morning, no atmosphere. Two thousand people in the seventy six thousand seat Louisiana Superdome, just dead or nailed. And and, <laughs> and they played off and they lose. So the game loses. Season's over. Go back to the hotel. The team is not going to leave until the next day. Jeez. So uh, I said to Bill, "Do you want to go get some dinner?" And he said he had an invitation with somebody that he was going to go with somebody. And I said, all right, you go ahead and do that. And uh, and he said, do you want to go? And I said, no, I'm going to go to Pascal's Manal and get some barbecue shrimp because it's outstanding. So I, I so I go over there. 
And, and, and I come back and I walk into the hotel, uh, into the hotel in the bar sitting right there. And Bill is sitting at the bar and he's watching. That was the night that Hampton upset Iowa State. Oh. The two over the 15. Got about The 15 that. over the two. And he was sitting there that watching. That have been the Jamal Tinsley Iowa State team? Uh, and uh, Marcus Pfizer. Pfizer, I think, left, I think 2000 was. Let me look at that roster. Uh, you may be right. I'll look at that roster. You may be right about that. Yeah, now that I think about that, you're right. Because uh, Pfizer was there up against Chris Mim when they when they beat them in there. So I think you're I think you're exactly right about that. But yes, and they were a two seed and went in there and uh, and Hampton beats them. Yes, Jamal Tinsley was yeah, on that team. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, and Bill Bill was just sitting there by himself at the the bar watching it. And so I I joined him and we're sitting there talking and we're watching the game and my back is to him. The game ends. Hampton beats Iowa State. And then, of course, you know how it is with the NCAA tournament. They cut to another game. It's a late-night game. Mm-hmm. So I'm just watching. And my Especially back then, that was before you had the Turner Networks they, exactly. contributing. Yeah. So I'm just watching the game, and my back is to Bill, and we're sitting at the bar, and we're watching. So all of a sudden, I feel this boom up against me. And I turn around, and it's Bill, and he's falling asleep. And because it had been a long day, he had fallen asleep up against me. And right at that moment, he could not have timed this better. The Lost Dodds walks in the bar, sees us, and goes, you taking care of your boy? <laughs> and I said, don't I always? <laughs> and then I woke him up and said, hey, dude, let's go. We got an early fight tomorrow. And then he got up, went in, went to bed. He'd just fallen asleep. <laughs> so, so awesome. yeah, yeah. He was he was like, he dozed off. So, anyway. Uh, but, but there was kind of a Mardi Gras thing that was going on during that, as well as during the Final Four deal, even though it was post-Easter. post, post um, Easter, Post Lenten season, mm. not lentil, Bucky. A lentil is a bean. Lenten season. Has he been saying lentil? Yeah, he said that this week. Okay. I think he was just funny. Bucky goes a little bit against the grain yeah, sometimes with so stuff does. like that. All right, so we have our Longhorn Notebook coming up. Uh, we've got some Rodney Terry sound, mm-hmm. so we'll be uh, previewing that. What, what else? Uh, we'll get to up? CDC's town hall meeting yep. Yep. and things yep. that were said there. We'll do that, uh, and we'll continue with Light the Tower. Here on the Horn, 104.9, 1019, AM twelve sixty. Live, local, and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Craig Webb and Jeff Howe light the tower. This music goes along with uh, some of the texts we're getting on the Specs text line. 337-3776-512-337-3776. For example, Insider Info texts in, uh, y'all should try Galveston for Mardi Gras. Third biggest celebration of it in the nation, and it's a lot closer than Norlands. And then says... Has floats and beads and drinking along the strand. You're a big Galveston and, and, guy. And you can get Guido's while you're down there. Yes, get that stuffed shrimp. Absolutely. Our friend Bizarro Dale Dudley says at 45, the only way I'm doing Bourbon Street is on a balcony. 
That's that's the way to do it, as I found. Have you ever done that? You ever done the balcony That's thing? what we did for the media party, yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah right. Um, Looking down on the commoners. Yes. A couple of years ago, Linda and I stayed, uh, I, only because I I wanted to do that, to stay in one of those Bourbon Street hotels that had the balcony overlooked with just one time. You know, that's, that's a bucket list thing. Let me just do that one time. Mm-hmm. And we were coming back from vacation, and uh, it was great until the, the morning we stayed two nights, and then the, the, the morning we were leaving, torrential rains, flooding rains, and we were lucky to get out of there before there was flooding. This was in July. Horrific flooding in there and got out of there uh, as as well. Um, somebody uh, uh, is pointing out, uh, yeah, I'm not going to read that. It's about it's about the uh, <laughs> Kansas Ford Grady Dick, and, who had and 19 a, points last night, Big 12 Newcomer of the Week. And, had a Mardi, a great year. and a Mardi Gras celebration, just use your, use your imagination. There. Yeah, and I understand that in opposing arenas, they're going to be, you know, that you know, maybe that's the not the the most opportune name to have. You think he hasn't heard everything, and he uh, heard every variation of all of that, and he per- still performs. He had nineteen last night in Fort Worth, you know. So no, we're not going to stoop to the sophomore, you know, the Beavis and Butthead. <laughs> he said, "Grady Dick." You one know, of those deals where you have an unfortunate up. name, like uh, you know, one of, one of my buddies was uh, his last name was Stifler, and this was right on the heels of the oh, American wow. Pie. Wow! Yeah. So every time he'd introduce somebody, you'd have to say his last name. It's every time Stifler, like the movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I've never told this on the air before, so I have to be careful how I'm going to tell it. But I'm going to tell it hey. because it kind of fits the what we're talking about here. I, I've 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 used this story. Uh, in uh, in lectures when I've like guest lectured the sports broadcasting classes uh, at a couple of different places, including in alma mater in North Texas, about how things aren't always as they seem. And I had a reporter, and this was in my days in in Dallas of doing that KRLD high school scoreboard, which was the radio prototype for what the TV show is today mm-hmm. that we do on Valley Sports Southwest. Well, I had a reporter in Duncanville at a playoff game, and I believe it was between uh, Clifton and Pilot Point. And Clifton had a player, his name on the roster, was number 43. He was a wide receiver. And his last name was spelled S-H-I-T-H-E-A-D. No way. So, you know, naturally my reporter sees this and burst in the laughter goes, hey, did you see this? There's a guy, blah, 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 blah. There's a guy, his name is yada, 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 yada. Did you see this? Da, 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 da. And all of a sudden you hear a guy in over to the side of the press box goes, hey, hey, hey. And he looks over and it's a guy in a green Clifton jacket and he goes, Shithied. Kid's name is Shithied. And the reporter that I had there looks at it and goes, I'll make a note of that. You know, uh, yeah. Yeah. That's how it was spelled. Every, every time I hear that, I always think about the Nicolas Cage SNL skit where they're trying to come up with baby names. Yes. He shoots down all of them, and then he gets a telegram, and Rob Schneider's the uh, telegram delivery man. That's right. He goes, I have a telegram for Mr. and Mrs. Blank Wipe Johnson. He goes, yes. it's Ozweep. <laughs> yes. So, so, anyway, there's that. All right, it's time for a Longhorn Notebook. Jeff Howe's Longhorn Notebook. It's a Longhorn Notebook brought to you by Aaron Bowersock, your home loan expert, your Longhorn lender. Be sure to check her out on the web at BowersockTeam.com. So Texas 
getting ready for this matchup and uh, against uh, Iowa State. And and before we, we talk a little bit about Iowa State, Rodney Terry at his media availability yesterday was asked about you know uh, keys to what what helps determine a conference champion, what makes the difference of a conference champion. And uh, Rodney was quick to point out that there was. Uh, you know, back in the day, because I, I guess it was pointed out that when he was on Rick Barnes' staff, Kansas was dominating the league and winning conference titles, and uh, including in that national championship year of 2008, which, by the way, they split the conference title with Texas that year. And Rodney was talking about uh, that sort of thing, about the uh, driving in, the the drive to winning a conference title and what it takes, because he was part of such a run. Well, we actually uh, won the league twice, yeah. twice, and uh, you know every time I would you know be away at a different place, you know they never talked about Texas being a part of the Big Twelve championship. They kept saying, they kept saying Texas. I mean, Kansas won all the, the Big Twelves, and we're like, hey, we won two of those. I got two Big Twelve championship rings, and probably should have had about six of those, really, to be honest. You know, during my tenure here and stuff uh, previously and everything. But but I think the thing we did during that stretch there was we really. Uh, just try to a lot like we're doing right now, you know, just really approach every game uh, and every 40 minutes in front of us. We never tried to get too high and to get too low. I just, I know we also did a great job and Coach Reese was here earlier and uh, I know he always came over and watched our practice and he talked to Coach and talked about how important it was for you to have a fresh team plan. You couldn't have a tired team, meaning that you couldn't, you know, put your best work in practice and then have a tired team in the, on the floor in games. And uh, I thought we did a great job of that uh, throughout the last portion of my, my tenure here. I thought Coach Barnes was great with that, really having teams fresh and playing and peaking at the right time of year. And uh, it's what we tried to do with this group here as well. We haven't been practicing really long. We go about an hour and 15 minutes, hour and 30 at the most, because we want a team that's going to leave it all out there in games and not play tired. Uh, from uh, from having been in practice for X amount of time and everything, but uh, I think those are the, those are the biggest takeaways uh, for us moving forward, uh, competing uh, for for a league championship. Now, granted, if the Longhorns are going to have a serious shot at winning this league championship in the remaining four games, they're going to have to do well, and that includes tonight against Iowa State. We mentioned the Cyclones won the first meeting. Last month, back on January 17th at Hilton Coliseum, they won 78-67. And there were uh, times in that game where where the Cyclones definitely outmuscled Texas, especially in the second half. And, um, you know, that, that was put to uh, Rodney Terry as well about the physical nature that this game might bring. You know they were definitely you know more physical than than us in that ball game on that on that particular night. You know we've had a lot of games where we've been the most physical team as well. But uh, you know we take a lot of pride in being, you know trying to be a team that's going to guard really hard just as much as they do and uh, try to play as physical just as much as they do as well. And you know they're doing a great job of turning guys over. We're going to do a great job of protecting the ball and being strong with the ball. Yeah. Protect the ball, be strong with the ball, and um, and be able to rebound. And if you do that, that's enough of a physical nature of the game to give you a shot to win against most teams on most nights. Yeah, going back to the OU game real quick, and Archie saying that just you know triggered this for me in my brain. One of the kind of complaints is you started to pick apart that game because there was certainly a lot that you could pick apart, even mm-hmm. though it was an overtime win. Is man, Christian Bishop was in foul trouble and he didn't play much and, and he was pretty much a non factor. And I was like, okay, but this goes, Craig, this goes back to something that we talked about early in the year. 
you didn't get it from CB on Saturday, but you got it from Dylan DeSue. Mm-hmm. So as long as one of those guys is giving you quality minutes in the post, you should be okay. Yep. Uh, you shouldn't be overwhelmed. Uh, but I, I think that, to me, in addition, we talked about the Tyrese Hunter factor earlier. We talked about toughness. You're, you're talking about getting it from the perimeter. Your guards guarding guys tough. But between Dylan, Mitch, between Dylan Mitchell, Dylan DeSue, Christian Bishop, Brock Cunningham, between those four guys, I'd kind of take Timmy Allen out of that because Timmy does so much more. Yeah. Uh, he's so integral on both ends of the floor. But those four guys, their ability to crash the boards, to be tough down low, if you got to get it on a given night from at least two of those four guys. Like you pretty much know you're going to get it from Brock. You pretty much know at this point in his career what he brings to the table. Yep. So if one of those guys, DeSue, Mitchell, CB, one of those other guys has to step up and give you quality minutes, probably you know that 10 to 15 minute range of just quality, good, tough, strong physical minutes. Yeah, things supplement it. Yeah. And no one person has to be the quote unquote takeover guy. Mm-hmm. Now we've seen guys do it. We've seen Jabari Rice do it. Obviously, we've seen Marcus Carr do it. It doesn't have to require that. Well, we've seen, I mean, we've seen times Arturo Morris has done it. Yes, absolutely. Um, and, uh, and you know, th- this is an Oklahoma State team that's lost some games on the road. Um, they, you know, they lost a heartbreaker at Kansas. They lost a heartbreaker at Oklahoma State when they had a 14-point game. Uh, but they've won some road games as well. Uh, they, um, you know, uh, they were able to win at TCU, and uh, and uh, they were able also uh, to uh, – and that was back-to-back road wins over OU and TCU, by the way. And uh, so they've, they've won some road games as well as, as well as the fact that they've lost some road games. Uh, last night we saw West Virginia put it on Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State was playing – you know, pretty well going into that TCU game last Saturday, but they'd been on a roll before TCU. Uh, you know, got Mike Miles back and kind of clocked him. Mm-hmm. I think TCU last night against Kansas. Um, I know it's a popular phrase to say, and I don't think it always applies. I'm talking about the phrase "hero ball," but it got a little bit like that last night, especially not only for Miles, but there were there were some there were some really under pressure well guarded threes they were taking yeah. down the stretch that that could have tied the game had they gone down but they might have been better served to try to see if they could get it inside yeah uh, to me that goes back to their loss to Baylor where Damian Ball threw up a three yeah and he had a couple more seconds maybe to take another dribble or make an extra pass and it's like wow you you got a turnover you put yourself in a position to win and there's no way Jamie Dixon was happy with that shot. No, and it's—I mean, he can—you can be mad at Damian Barr or whatever, but it's like as a team, you'd hope you'd get a better look than that. And that was—that was extrapolated last night. Well, think about this: at sixty-one fifty-eight, there, with what was it, twenty seconds to go, Kansas throws the ball away. Yeah. So now here's TCU with a chance to tie it, and the best they could get was a well-guarded fadeaway deep three. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They needed a three at that point, but that comes down to your screen game, too. Yeah. And you screen well enough to get your shooter, and they were determined that Mike Miles was not going to beat him or was not going to get it. I get that. But they got guys who can shoot it, but you got to have a higher percentage look. Pace is going to be key tonight. Because yeah. you go back to where things got away from Texas and Ames, Iowa State. And we've seen Texas do this when they've been really good on defense, too. They do a really good job of speeding you up, mm-hmm. making you not – play with the pace you want to play with. If you want to slow it down, they'll speed you up or whatever the case is. Uh, Texas has to control pace in this game. I think that's huge tonight. Yeah. You know, uh, I asked Rick Barnes about this years ago. 
and and I've heard it so many times said about about pace of play and you know we don't want someone so to speed us up and I'd say but you want to go fast right and he goes yes on our terms right you want to dictate the yeah. terms of the game I yeah. always say that about whatever sport it is baseball is a little tougher to do that obviously most of that comes down to throwing strikes but football and basketball specifically you want to be able to dictate the terms of the game however you can yeah uh, our man CB on the specs text line says. Was that Drew Pearson I saw in a video Rodney Terry put out a few days ago? It was. Yeah. It was. It was. Yeah. I see number 88. Uh, you want to get to some of the CDC town hall stuff before yep. we get to yes. – we don't have time to get to much right now. We'll get to most of it, if not all of it, throughout the show. Yeah. Um, I'm glad he touched on this so we don't have to touch it during the summer, Craig. Yeah. Alternate uniforms. You got asked about that. <laughs> Again. He said, he said yeah. Texas will not have alternate uniforms uh, in football. He said uh, basically – why would we want to do that? We're the most traditional program in the country. We have a great logo. We have great colors. It's unique. We don't need to candy this stuff up. I look at the University of Texas from afar, and it's us. USC, Alabama, Penn State, they don't change. There's something to be proud about that. Yeah. Yeah. I like how he borrowed the Coach Royal. Coach Royal. Yeah. They don't need to candy them up. Yes. Uh, he even went a step further. He said, I look at what Arizona, TCU, Oregon, and Oklahoma State are doing. Half the time, you don't even know who they are when you turn on the channel. When you turn on the TV, you know who the University of Texas is. That's what it's all about. So I always tell our kids, embrace who we are. It's not old. It's not stuffy. It's Texas. It's the best. Uh, something that I wanted to get your take on. Again, we'll get to more town hall stuff, but he, you know, obviously had some words about Red McCombs. Red McCombs yep. passed yesterday, right. R- right as we were getting off the air, we, that, that news broke. I remember, I want to say this was when the Vikings were making the transition from Dennis Green and they hired Mike Tice. Right. I remember hearing Chris Mortensen rattle off names of who could get the Vikings job at that point. And he mentioned Mac Brown just because of obviously the relationship that Mac had with Red McCombs. Was that Mort just kind of doing what we all what do he, in the he did a lot of back world in the day, and just yeah. kind of throwing a name out? Or was there any substance to that from what you remember? None at all. Okay. None at all. I, I, in fact, I remember talking to Mac about that after he laughed. It's like, no, no. I just don't. I don't see Max style really working in the NFL. He didn't want to, You know, there's something about there's something to be said about self awareness. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. Lou Holtz had to find out for himself it didn't work. Nick Saban had to find out for himself that didn't work. I don't know what you'd say about Urban Meyer, but he found out real quick. Steve that Spurrier, there guys that it just doesn't work for you at the NFL. Bud Wilkinson, Bud Wilkinson. There, there's several guys that that you know. Uh, so. But but Mac was Mac had enough self awareness to say no that's not for me yeah <laughs> so yeah. I you know I'd always heard that and never never really went back to it so I did, like I said I didn't didn't know yeah. if there was ever anything there to that or not but yeah it's yeah. kind of like Mac's name was mentioned at the beginning and then you didn't ever you didn't hear anything about it after right that. right it went away I wonder if Chris Mortensen got a call from the Forty Acres <laughs> say hey when we, when nothing we to that when we shut that down a little yeah. bit yeah yeah exactly. Uh, trying, okay. to, trying to recruit here. Did you have some other? Uh, ah, we'll, you, yeah. We're yeah, up we'll, we'll, so we'll get we'll, to we'll it do through, some throughout the show. Yep, so. yep, we'll do some more. Uh, hey, Nick out in San Angeles says, love it. You know, the uh, don't candy it up. <laughs> it is. I think it's just such a good phrase. I could just hear Coach Royal saying it. Oh, hell. I've, I've come to kind of a middle ground with everybody that wants an alternate uniform. You can do something with the jersey, okay? You want to do black jerseys, whatever. Don't touch the pants. Don't touch the helmet. Jersey, you can tinker with it if you want, but don't touch the pants. Don't touch the helmet. Okay. 
We'll agree to disagree on that. I don't, I don't even think I don't think they should change anything. I, I am not opposed to when they did the throwback with the numbers on the side of the helmet. Uh, you know, uh, my my uniform tweak is I'm glad they got rid of the Sark got rid of the numbers on the shoulders and on the sides. There's no number on the side anymore. Let me ask. Let me tell you, as a broadcaster, we didn't mind the numbers on the shoulders. I I can see that. Didn't mind sure. it. I I don't have a problem with the meme gone. Right. But I didn't mind them being on the shoulder. I you know I uh the Texas taking the Texas off the front is something that I've always thought. I just thought that was a much cleaner look. Um. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it is. I mean, it's more of a throwback look. I mean, the the Texas on the front always made me think of the '80s and '90s. Yeah, yeah, on that. But I I didn't have a problem with it on the front. But you know that 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 was a small detail to me. Mm. And know? where I will agree with you, do not mess with the road uniform. Oh, the icy whites are. Don't mess with the icy white. Yeah, I got to keep those. All right. Uh, up next, we'll have inconceivable. I got something just for Jeff. I no robot wars. Uh, no. No robots, no bears. It's flights to nowhere. Oh. I haven't, I haven't educated uh, intern David yet on uh, the robot wars, the impending robot wars. You'll you have just to... need to get your head right. Oh, I haven't even uh, talked talked to Cam about that. Yet. Yeah, yeah. Well, Cam, are you ready for the robot war whenever it goes down? Because he's convinced. I'm ready for it. You know, it's because can't see Cam knows it's happening. He's convinced. It's not a matter it. of if, but when. Uh, we, when we, it goes down, we we have come to the conclusion that the war will be. Uh, you know, Jeff's irrational fear robots against my irrational fear primates. It'll be robots versus primates. Now you watch. See, I think this goes back to I think you watched Planet of the Apes one too many times. I watched all of them, and I, I, I watched, saw every I, one of them. I think I just watched Terminator Two way too much as a kid. Yeah, and that's why. I mean, I, I saw all the original Planet of the Apes, the one through five. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, Planet of the Apes, Escape uh, Beneath the Planet of the Apes, Escape from the Planet of the Apes, Conquest of the Planet of the Apes, and Battle for the Planet of the Apes. You watched the Mark Wahlberg. Saw that one too. Saw that one too. All right, uh, we'll have uh, inconceivable. As there was no no in depth explanation on that. That's next okay. here on like, the Tower on the Horn, one zero four nine one zero one nine AM twelve sixty live local and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm dot com. Light the tower. Inconceivable. 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 You keep using the horn. I don't think it means what you think it means. Several different things. Today, Inconceivable traverses that path for you on uh, several different things. One of those that we have to jump right on is uh, we ha- we've we had another um, unfortunate situation of a person encountering an alligator in Florida, Joe. And, uh, Give me the details. 85-year-old woman. Oh, no, that's yeah, bad. Yep, yep. It's in uh, Port St. Lucie, Florida. Uh Killed yesterday after an incident involving an alligator. Florida Fish and Wildlife Commission and St. Louis County Sheriff's Office responded Monday yesterday to a 911 call of parent alligator bite, it said. Woman walking her dog. Incident happened. Alligator went after the dog. The dog barked, kind of got out of the way, and then the alligator grabbed after grabbing the dog. And when she tried to get the dog back... She stumbled forward and the victim that became the victim there. Uh, And the alligator was close to 11 feet long and dragged her into a pond. They were covered her after that. Uh, And then, as always, they always say, the uh, Florida Wildlife Commission goes, serious injuries caused by alligators are rare in the state of Florida. They always point that out. And it's rare. And you know what? They're right. 
But when they happen, everybody notices. Everybody just needs to remember, in the words of Bobby Boucher's mama, alligators are ornery because they got all them <laughs> teeth and no toothbrush. <laughs> I'd forgotten about that. Yeah, you're right. Uh, uh, here's here's something that uh, is fortunately is not happening here. It's happening in North Korea. Uh, over a million North Koreans maybe drink. Roger Lodge on the TV commercial. Yeah, yeah, he's doing a thing about financial wow. planning. Yeah, Look from. Blind date to financial planning. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah, yeah that's what Sorry, he's doing. I'm glad to know his, I'm his, glad to know Roger Lodge has found work that he's employed, so that's good. His that's whole good idea is about investing in gold. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> nice work if you can get it. Um over a million North Koreans may be drinking water contaminated. And you say, Oh, it's bad. Is you it know, North Korea? A, yeah, North Koreans. Mm. So over a million North Koreans may be drinking water that was contaminated. How was it contaminated it contaminated, you ask? Nuclear material. Why does that not shock me? Yeah, likely contaminated by underground nuclear weapons testing. Uh, also, uh, doesn't re- seem very bright. Um, the report also warned of the danger posed by produce sent from North Korea to Japan and China. You know, so grown in that same ground and groundwater from an underground North Korean nuclear weapons test site is spreading dangerous radioactive material to hundreds of thousands living in the country. I didn't know North North Korea was an exporter of produce. Uh, I guess so. Um, Learn something new every day, I guess. Between 2006 and 2017, we're talking 11 years, North North Korea is believed to have carried out six nuclear tests at this underground site in the North Hamyong province. And the report called for those fleeing the affected areas... For South Korea, stop, be screened for radiation exposure and for food export tests to be tightened. So don't buy any produce from North Korea is what I'm saying right now. It's probably not a good idea. Yeah, make sure on your grocery list today you're doing that H-E-B run. Make sure North Korean produce is not a part of that. Um, you're, you're somewhat of a collectible investor. I wouldn't call myself an investor. I'm more of a collector. I don't, you know, the high-end sports memorabilia card deal scares me. What would I was you... worried about buying a fake or something like that. Right. So I stay on the, the lower. Okay, this item is not a fake. It's definitely genuine. A first-generation 2007 iPhone. Still is. I, I think I saw this story. It's the one that's still in the box, right? Still sealed? Uh, This one... Is one, it didn't say, well, put it this way. Um, it's it's dubbed a first edition device by LCG Auctions. You're right. Box had never been opened. Mm-hmm. Um, did you see how much it went for in that, at auction? Uh, I think I, I didn't, I don't think I well, saw what the final bid well, was. Well, the bidding began at 2500 Yeah. There were 27 bids on it. And the winning bid, more than $63,000 for an iPhone there. Uh, and uh, I have no idea. I have no concept of what having that much disposable income is it, like. And so, you know, all told, like I said, there were 27 bids. Ten buyers really wanted the phone. The winner was, quote, unquote, an individual from the U.S. That's how it ended up with that. 
So it's probably not going to sure wind up with Walt up at card traders or something? I'm pretty sure no. Pretty yeah. sure Walt doesn't deal in <laughs> iPhones. Okay. Uh, just, just vintage baseball and football. Cosmetic tattoo artist Karen Green was gifted the 8-gigabyte uh, version. Never broke the seal, according to her appearance on the daytime television program, The Doctor and the Diva. In 2019, an appraiser on the show valued the phone at that time at $5,000. Another unopened first-generation iPhone like Green sold for over 39000 in a listing also by LCG Auctions that last closed in October. So, you know, there it is. They talked about, you know, uh, what, what Steve Jobs did and iPhone and all that. Sixty-three grand for one that's... Completely obsolete now. Last I, I traded in a MacBook Pro when I got my new one. I think they gave me like forty bucks for it. Did he really? Something like That's that. Yeah. No, I actually think I got like uh, I don't know. It was like like a hundred bucks. Did they say they were taking a loss on it? They're taking all the response, all the risk. I'm taking all the risk here. If I'm <laughs> taking it to Palm, if I if I'm taking my new one to the guys on Palm Stars, like. You know, a hundred bucks is the best I could do. It's a two thousand dollar computer. I'm taking all the risk here. I've got to resell <laughs> it. It's going to sit for a while. You know, <laughs> I love when you do that, uh, and I love to give you stories like this. Um, the the story starts off with it's the stuff of nightmares. You're trying to get somewhere. You're prepped and planned. You're doing your best, and yet you end up right back where you started. Now, you've heard me mention the the, the flight to nowhere down in. Australia, right? Maybe dumbest story to come out of the pandemic. This one, what turned out to be an unintentional flight. And that covers a lot of ground. Uh Uh-huh. This was not Australia, but not far from it. New Zealand. New Zealand. So here's here's what happened. Uh, Frequent flyer Brian Gottlieb and his fellow New Zealand, Air New Zealand passengers. Any relation to Doug? uh, Doesn't say. Uh, uh, They were on a flight Thursday. Planned journey from Auckland, New Zealand to JFK in New York. And uh, the flight ended up getting disrupted by an electrical outage at JFK. Hmm. Okay? So JFK's Terminal 1 was closed, and some of the flights scheduled land there had to be diverted. Uh, some of the international flights ended up like at Newark. That's just across the river. No big deal. Even Dulles or Boston Logan. Well, Gottlieb's flight was going along. He said, quote, I was sleeping pretty soundly, and I woke up with a feeling that I would surely be landing at JFK soon. Then a passenger next to me tapped me on the shoulder and said, did you know we're almost back in Auckland? He said, what? He said his fellow passenger gave him the news two or three hours before the plane was was to land. An announcement about the diversion did not come until the flight was almost back in New Zealand. See, this is where I get mad at airlines. Don't hide things from us. Uh, as as they said, you could see the flight tracker, and you could see that the plane had turned around and was flying back. Jeez. And word had spread around. He said when the pilot made the announcement, he acknowledged that part of the decision was based on schedule efficiency for the airline and that the lack of a crew at an airport near JFK would have caused the airline further delays. Further than going back to New Zealand? <laughs> really? Oh, man. Oh, the airline apologized for that. Uh, diverting to another U.S. airport would have meant the aircraft would remain on the ground for several days, impacting another other scheduled service. Sorry about that. Sorry Don't to take in- people all the way back to New Zealand. Sorry to inconvenience you. What's wrong with you? Land. Land in Omaha. 
Landon Albany. Sheboygan. Who cares? DFW. Not New Zealand. You know? Clarksburg. I was going to say Clarksburg. Clarksburg. You can land in Clarksburg. Just don't go back to New Zealand. Good Lord. All right. (laughs) Second hour of Light the Tower coming up. Uh, We will uh, hear more from Rodney Terry and uh, more on tonight's basketball game between Texas and Iowa State. Also Longhorn Baseball, the home opener this afternoon at 5 o'clock. And again, you can hear that. On AM 1260, beginning at 445, first pitch at 5 o'clock, AM 1260 and 101.9 FM. That's for baseball this afternoon. More on that, more basketball. Coming up, hour number two, Light the Tower on the Horn, 1049, 1019, AM 1260, live, local, and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. <laughs> 